Welcome to the Glasgow Short Film Festival 2022 podcast. I'm Sana Yuhul, the festival's program director, and I'm very pleased that these GSFF 22 podcast episodes complement our first in-person event since 2019. For our 15th edition, we were back in our usual venues, Centre for Contemporary Arts, Civic House and Glasgow Film Theatre, from Wednesday the 23rd to Sunday the 27th of March. We staged an event focused on Ratchapum Bunbunchacho, who won our Bill Douglas Award for International Short Film at GSFF 21 with his film Redan in Sri, or Tiptoeing on the Still-Trembling Berlin Wall, an inventive and playful queer espionage film made in the tradition of Cold War-era Thai-dubbed film. We screened the film again alongside excerpts of the wider trilogy it is part of, followed by a conversation between the director and Ren Skateni, head of programme at Encounters Film Festival in Bristol. You will hear the recording of that conversation right now. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Thank you for being here. And thank you, Rashapum, for being here. Really nice to be having this conversation with you today. So, and thank you, Glasgow Shopping Festival, for inviting us to begin with, actually. So I'd like to kickstart this conversation asking you a question that I've asked you like a couple of times before, yeah. but I think it would be really useful for our audience here to know a mm-hmm. bit more about, you know, the tradition of dubbing like mm-hmm. in Thai film, if you can say a few words about that. Actually, like Thai films after the World War II, like most of the commercial Thai film were made in dubbing because mainly for two reasons. The first one is was like a logistic one because the equipment and instrument after the the war was quite expensive and the producer tried to cut the budget. So they they said let's fix it in the post. So they don't have like any recordings for the live sound live on setting. And the other reason would be like because in the fifties and sixties was like a the goal golden age of Thai cinema and like people just it's the main entertaining for people main entertainment like watching films and the the actors and actresses who were very famous by that time like they were heavily sought after so maybe some of the the biggest star by that time he would star in the film like he would be in the shooting like four films a day in the morning in the afternoon in the evening and at night so he didn't have time to rehearse any line so normally he would just be in front of the camera and some assistant just say the line and he repeat it mm-hmm. so that's a logistic reason and the other reason would be that ideological reasons like I don't know why but Thai audience tend to somehow like they expect that the actors apart from have like a handsome or beautiful physical appearance mm-hmm. their interiority which could be indicated through their voice has to mm-hmm. align with it like if you have like a handsome face, you need to have the like heroic voice as well. Mm-hmm. If you like, if you play like sexy star, your voice has to be really like seductive. And mm-hmm. some actors and actresses by that time could not deliver that, so they must be fixed in one way or another by voice actor. Yeah, I found quite interesting that is the end of it quite coincide with the end of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Like by the early nineties. Thai films tend to like start to modernize itself and it's like, oh, we could not just stick to having filmed up anymore. We need to reach international standard and have like a live style recording. Yeah. Yeah. And something that I found really interesting in the film and uh, it's also the fact that it seems that these voices are somehow like stereotyped. Mm-hmm. Into the uh, in the traditional of Thai film because in in Radan Insri as well we 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 see that there's a 
that there's the idea that some, sometimes it says that the uh, he's been cast as the um, yeah. as the bad guy for yeah. so long. So uh, yeah, I'm wondering. I mean, uh, is that something that happens? Yeah, like throughout like yeah, five like, films. Yeah, yeah. If the hero wise, yeah, you you have to like really handsome boy. Like, I'm a hero. Yeah, I'm coming here to rescue you. And the and then the females role right, they have like two two kind of female role. Like, it's like if you're not hero in, you're a sexy star. And they have a very different ways of portraying this this different kind of roles. Like heroine would be like very feminine, very sweet, and sexy star would be like very high pitch. Like I don't know. Like <laughs> I could not do that. I mean, like it's not natural at all. I mean, I I never heard. I'm not sure. Like I never heard old people say it, but the old Thai film, the way of dubbing, are not totally not natural. Mm. It's to the it's very theoretical, like very artificial. That might put up some people, but I found it's very pleasing to hear. Like it's because like old Thai film dialogue was very artificial, very okay. inauthentic. Like no, no one's in real life could right. say that yeah, okay. at all. Like for example, there's one one line that I'm very impressed. Like the husband found out that the wife cheat on him, and he slapped okay. her and said like, "You want to swim in cement? <laughs> okay. Because you slept with too many men. You want to swim in cement? It's like." What? What? In what? Why people say it like that? I mean, hopefully, not many people yeah, say no. that in real life. I mean, yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, it's so melodramatic, and I like that. I mean, like, wow, no one in in the contemporary cinema would would dare to write like that. Yeah, that I mean, anymore. I mean. It's so soap opera. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, still keeping this conversation around yeah. voices. I mean, I think like another important thing in Radanisra is like the fact that you're um, not playing, but um, delving a bit deeper into the idea of like um, the voices of like transgender people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in my case, I feel like a bit uncomfortable to speak about voices because being non-binary, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm like, like kind of transcending the idea of male and female voices. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really important in the film, like especially for the character Wang, Mm-hmm. To just you know, kind of playing around these two um, the voices at the two ends of the binary was that something that you wanted to explore like actively in the film, or just it it happened during you know writing the story in a way? I think it's kind of happened. I think there's many ki- many films that dealing with like the main character try to disguise as someone else, mm. maybe cross gender, uh, a girl try to be a man, a man try to be a girl, something like that. And I found that a little bit um, quite rigid. It's getting obsolete. I mean, just to close the gender. And I feel like in today's world, like we have more like a nuance of sexuality and gender and I'd like to explore more. So instead of like just a guy pretending to be a girl, I have like a trans woman pretending to be a cis gay man, mm. which is kind of, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's playing a bit more like on gender identity and the stereotypes, this kind of things, and then you're trying to to see it as a be like um as a as a something fluid that you can yeah, just yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah, I think what I want to want to address regarding gender and sexuality in the film is quite tight specific context, like because actually like Thailand is quite LGBTQ friendly country, mm. mostly mm-hmm. I think, and we have many many like TV series that deal with boys love in quotation mark boys love yeah. they're not gay but boys love like it's more like boys loving each other but they're not gay yeah. I, I don't know how to explain it but yeah and I found that it's quite limiting mm. because like when you use 
LGBT characters and you kind of like confine them into just a romance story. Mm-hmm. And what I'm interested is like why queer characters could could do more than that. Just not just being in romance, they could be in the political film, like on thriller film. Yeah. So so I, I I think like it's quite. How do you say? Maybe I'm not sure. You could sex i s to to just confide certain role to 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 queer character in a way, and mm-hmm. I want them to be more politically active in the film that I made. So maybe that's more my concern. No, I mean I think that is actually one of the uh, the strongest point and the strongest like um, points of your film. The mm-hmm. fact that you're like. Using a queer story, but you're not that much focusing on the queer story, but you're making the queer story political, yeah. and not in terms of like uh, activism for queer rights, yeah, but yeah. rather trying to change maybe like uh, some uh, film genre that maybe up until that point have been quite stereotypically like heterosexual in a way, mm-hmm. and then you're just trying to queering those genre. Mm. Am I interpreting right, or I'm just projecting yeah, yeah. stuff on your film? No, no, no. It's okay. It's completely fine. I find, like, yeah. I mean, like, I I like to see politicizing queer. Mm. I mean, I'm not sure what what that's supposed to be politicizing queer, not just queer who is politicized. Um, actually, I mean, you you touched upon briefly uh, mm-hmm. on um, you know, uh, BL and this kind of mainstream, you know, products mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. most of the times I think like are. Cater for like a cisgender female audience. Mm-hmm. That's why most of the time we saw this. We see this like idols, like playing this mm-hmm. this like gay characters mm-hmm. or yeah, supposedly gay characters. Mm-hmm. But yeah, something that intrigued me in, in your film is that you're not saying that your actors are not like good looking, mm-hmm. but they're not that kind of stereotypical oh, yeah. beauty that yeah, you can yeah. see somehow you know yeah, coming yeah. through. I don't know, like um, BL in like K dramas <laughs> or like in Thai dramas as well, yeah, yeah. the more mainstream one. Yeah, so yeah. that's something again that you wanted to to tackle in your film. Um, yeah, because someone said to me that how I cast my characters like they're not how to say like they're not conventionally handsome or good looking. If the other people make this film, they might cast other more how to say eye candy actors that could be more pleasing visually. I think I'm not like bad mouthing my actors, but yeah, I don't see representations of gays in Thai media like that. I mean, like they they always have this type of good looking mm. on screen, and I felt like if I have a chance to make film, I I could. Um, add more diversity in terms of like physical appearance representation, yeah. something like that. So yeah, I think so. I, I, I try to like, I don't want just to like cater to the, oh you want to, you want to watch gay film with beautiful boys, but I don't want to give the audience that okay. because that's not what I want to completely please or cater to the audience general taste. I think mm-hmm. yeah. At this point in the conversation, the audience was shown clips of the double life of Mani Zhang. The first film in Ratchapum's trilogy, which deals with the legacy of French colonization of Southeast Asia, its impact on Thai society, and the relationships between different ethnic groups in the country. First of all, it would be nice if you can say maybe a few things about the film, maybe to contextualize this clip a bit more. Otherwise, it's a bit like <laughs> yeah, out of the blue here. Yeah, it's the film like made like in I think two thousand and. Twelve or thirteen—it's like long, like ten years ago. Like I just make it like for fun, not aiming for anything. Like just for screening in like local film festival, something like that. Mm-hmm. And by that time, I was—I'm always interested in the Thai colonial history 
And like, if you know Thailand, like Thai people always so proud that they are not formally never formally colonized by any Western empire or something like that. They were so proud of it. But actually, in my theory, I always say like Thailand is a colonial Bangkok. Mm-hmm. Bangkok is the one who colonized Thailand. Like it's like most of the countries in the world. Like they try to centralize and try to push this central Thai, Bangkok Thai, into the people's heads. Like if you know Chiang Mai, Chiang Mai is another kingdom actually that was annexed to Thailand during 19th century, and also in the south as another kingdom as well, and that has been annexed to Thailand by the 19th century as well. I made that film like without knowing that I'm gonna make put make it into tra- trilogy about. Thai colonial. This is the first one, and is based on actually Thailand has like a colonial enemy, two colonial enemy mostly British and French. Like by that time, like on the west side, we have British Burma. That Thai loyal by that time was afraid that oh they could eat up Thailand anytime. And on the east side, we have French Indochina that also more even more threatening in a way because. Thai history would say that French stole parts of Laos and, Kampu- and Cambodia from Thailand. That's how the mainstream history said that. Like they stole it from us, mm. even though like that's debatable. Actually, how can you de- define stealing in that context? Something in that film, I'm interested in voiceover because yeah. because when when you say that French stole part of Laos from Thailand, and there's like a There's a novel, very the most famous anti-colonial novel in Thai, in Thailand. It's called Two Worlds. To be pop, it's about a woman from the contemporary time who bought, who buys an antique miller that could transport her back to 19th century Thailand. So she like trans, transported to to the to the Thai palace by that time, and he's she was like she knows the history before, so she knows that. French tried to actually colonize the country at the end of the 19th century, but because of her knowledge of the history and her knowledge of French and British and English, she could save the nation by that time. But what I think is interesting is that she is back in Bangkok, 19th century. She's never been to the area that was claimed by the French, the border between Laos and Thai. So she felt she felt that this. Villagers or people who live there must identify themselves as Thai. Mm. So somehow she somehow speak on behalf of them, yeah. even though like she's never literally be there. She's never there, so she never knows that how they how people there consider themselves. They could be Thai or they could be Laos, and she feel like people there, even though they're Laos, they should be more happy being in Thailand instead of being in French Indochina in a way. So these people then become more like a subaltern, like people who had no say in anything, and she and need to be represented. I think that's the way that I'm conceptualizing the film. I'm 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 playing with the voiceover device as mm-hmm. a film, yeah. like how the device, how this device somehow like used to speak on behalf of the subject image on the screen without having them like. Directly speaking, themselves, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering, Mertilia, how did you become interested in 
voices in a way because I mean obviously yeah. here we backtracking a bit yeah. because we, we, we saw like uh, Radanistri first mm. and then in that case was dubbing with another like so many other layers of meanings and in this case you're still like playing with the voice but as you just said you, you, you're using like a voiceover which is also like um, tying into the, the, the colonializ colonization of mm. like um, ethnic minorities yeah. in in Thailand. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. how would like your interest in voice came about in a way? When I was in film school, I'm pretty nerdy. <laughs> I'm always a, always a nerd student, and I'm not like I like theory. I like reading film theory. I think that's that's what 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 somehow somehow like inform me as a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm by the time I was more interested in film theory than actually going to the production. I don't know why. So when I have a chance to shoot something, I kind of like mix with something I found interesting in in the book or theory that I read about, like like Michel Chion, like just a sound theorist, French sound theorist, and the idea something like that. Yeah, and I felt like, oh, what he said about this device might be interesting if I fictionalize it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what I'm interested in is also like I don't I don't intend to make like a complete essay film. That normally film artists would do, like okay, you make like a documentary essayistic film about this certain subject or topic, because that would be too easy for me. I think I I like to like mix essayistic approach with fictional mm -hmm. one. Yeah. I think it's more, I don't know, more more interesting, more uncategorizable, at yeah. least for me. Yeah. The last excerpt shown in the conversation was one of Anna and the Prince, the second part of the trilogy which spans topics from westernization to capitalism and nationalism in Thailand. So actually, I mean, I'm sad that we didn't have enough time to show like the next clip because mm -hmm. it's kind of a, a reverse of this situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and the prince basically like um, comes come into the room, right? Yeah. And, and super westernized, yeah. incredibly cool guy, speaking like five different languages, like Japanese, mm -hmm. French, German, Korean, German, yeah. Korean so, and, and, and obviously Lan Anna is like, um, she's, she's not even happy at that moment yeah. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, so if you can say something around the fact that if you're like subverting yeah. this kind of, I mean, there's not, you cannot do anything right in a way because yeah. you either have to be civilized or yeah. if you're already showing that you open yourself maybe to different influences, mm -hmm. that's not okay anymore, maybe mm -hmm. for like, for a certain kind of uh, reactionary uh, culture in Thailand, I'm guessing. Yeah. So if you can say something about this, maybe. Um, the film is called Anna and the Prince. You might know because it's based on Anna the King, the King and I, something like that. I always, yeah. um, in this trilogy, I always like use a character that is quite well known in Thai, in Thai culture or something like that. Anna and the King's like was, is heavily hated by Thai conservatives because it's just blasphemous to like say like this white not white actually she's like an Anglo Indian woman that mm. that the king fell for fell for her <laughs> in that time like Thai conservative like no that's not acceptable but I'm interested in this kind of story so 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 actually the film is like there's a three characters in it like um, the prince mm. the maid and uh, Anna and there's like a hierarchy of it and when the prince could achieve civilization, mm -hmm. 
he himself like doesn't he he doesn't want to be looked down or discriminated by white people represented by Anna, but also he he repeat the same kind of violent structure mm-hmm. upon his mate, yeah. and I think like that's how somehow encapsulate the relationship between the Thai monarch, the West, and Thai people, in a way like Thai monarch was by nineteenth century they they were very anglophile. Actually, they really admire British monarch. Like, oh, this is a cool monarch. Mm. We should be like them. <coughs> that's th- that's also explain why they hated France by that time because French beheaded their king. They want they wanted civilization for themselves. Actually, they wanted to be really civilized. They wanted to be modernized, but they don't want that modernization to be. They don't want it for their people in a way. Mm. There's a record that Thai king by that time always to always like visited other colonies in Asia. Like he visited Calcutta, he visited Singapore, he visited um, Jakarta by that time, which is Dutch East India. But what he took from that colony was like, oh, that is how you govern your people, and he repeat that, imitate that on Thai kingdom, which means that he will his subject. More as a colonial subject than a citizen. So yeah, so so it's kind of a repeat that maybe the West like wasn't wasn't happy that the natives become too civilized because it means that it's too equal. Like they become more kind of equal term with them. The same with that the lo- the ruling class are not that happy when that when the people like become that how do you say civilized. On the same level as them, mm. so they have to find justification to push the people down to cl- because you know like if you civilize, we, we, you don't have any justification to govern them, mm. to rule them because they could they could take care of their own lives themselves and they have to repeat the narrative that you know you're not ready, you're always not ready, you're not ready, yeah you need you need me to govern you. Actually, my film is not. Like anti-Western at all. <laughs> it's always like about the ruling class in my country, but I somehow like need Western characters to in the in the narrative to 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 make a point, something like that. No, and actually, I found that you're also kind of pointing towards like the Japanese in a way, or at least like the soft power that yeah. Japan could have, because I mean. Japan as well never colonized Thailand, yeah, yeah. but at the same time, you're referencing like Murakami in the film. Yeah. But then there are some notes to a certain, uh, let's say, like pop cultural and mm. maybe slightly political influence of mm. like Japan and Thailand. Mm. So I thought there was like much more uh, your exploration of these issues, like much more wider than oh, I'm criticizing just the West mm, yeah. or like white people. No, no, no. I think, I mean, like if the main target of criticism always. Ruling class in Thailand because, like, actually, as I said, like, since the West never formally colonized, like, the 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 main explanation for the Thai predicament by now, it's not the West himself that much, but more like from the our own ruling class, yeah. I think it's time to open up questions from the uh, the public. Actually, we're already running a bit like out of time, but if you have any question you want to ask to Rajapum. This is the time. I have I, to repeat a question for podcast sake. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it's like the question asks um, how your films are received uh, by Thai people in Thailand. It depends, but most of the time, I think audience are quite happy. 
like I'm not sure because it was it was shown in a local film festival, local short film festival, and people who goes there mostly like they kind of liberal, progressive, so they quite. Um, they're quite happy to watch a film that criticizing the his this part of history. As I said, like, yeah, because Thai normally Thai are so proud of their own non-coloniality, but to see the film that talk about this tackle about this issue somehow like surprise and give them some kind of satisfying something like that. Yeah, but 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 they're also like conservative part of the society. But these people normally they don't watch film. I don't know why. Yeah, so they don't. So you're fine. Yeah, so I'm quite fine. <laughs> Maybe some people complain, but but they're like they don't watch it or or they watch it and they don't understand because like there's some people understand that it's a totally anti-Western film. Mm. Like oh, this guy hate white people. That's okay with us. Okay. But no. Any other question from the audience? So basically, let, yeah, if you can maybe um, talk a bit more about like the um, your interest like in history and wider history like in Europe as well, maybe referencing to the title of like Red and Insri, mm-hmm. and then all the generational aspect of these uh, of your interests and the historical things that you include in your film. Oh yeah, I mean like the one that you saw the about the voiceover I'm interested. By the time I was interested in French Empire and another king of course, another place was like. British Empire, but during the Cold War, Benedict and the Sun described Thailand as American era, because like actually like I think one of the reasons why Thai food was famous is because of the Vietnam War by that time, and Thailand by that time was designated to be rest and recreation for American soldier, so they fought war in Vietnam and they could come to Thailand and have a anything they could find anything in, in thailand and that somehow like start the thai tourism industry during the cold war and yeah i think that's my explanation like, tiptoeing and the trembling like um i think i was on the bus when i think of this title i always on the bus when i think of the title i don't know why when i stepping out the bus some some words came to me and i think it's quite beautiful i don't know if it's beautiful or not but I feel like because we, we always said like Berlin walls already destroyed, but in Thailand, the Cold War mentality, like the high rank military officers still, they are still afraid of communists. I don't know why. And they still, they still call the protester, like contemporary protester, like, oh, you are communist, you are leftist or something like that. Even though like it, it might not that relevant, they're, they're leftists, but they're not the same, yeah. the same old communists that they fought in 70s. So I think in Thailand, like the Berlin will still stand. It might be tumbling, crumbling, but there's, but it's not like completely destroyed. Yeah, there's still cold war mentality mm. in the very high rank people in the ruling class. Yeah, I might ask you just the very, very, very last one, yeah. and then we're done. Um, actually, there's an element of like uh, satire in, in, mm. and irony in, mm. in, in irony in your films, and I, I was just interested in hearing like why are you using this? Yeah. I really like sense of humor and I don't like being too serious. I and I feel I'm not sure I'm I'm particularly fond of un, un, uncategorizableness mm. and I feel like satire or irony somehow make the film become more un, uncategorizable. Like I like when the film like doesn't fall into one camp or another like oh this is the film talk about serious stuff, so it should be told seriously. Mm. The, the film is very funny, so it must be about something light. I don't want that. I like to kind of like, you can have a silly way of telling serious issue, something like that. And it kind of worked for me, actually, because I, if I try to like 
a plain drama film, I could not finish even writing that, something like that. Or if if I just write comedy, just just try to make people laugh solely, make people laugh, I could write that as well. So I think like the irony, the sarcasm, like is quite essential to my work. Yeah, to 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 get it out. Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, and and thank you for like. Being here, watching the films, asking questions, and just yeah, randomly being here. Yeah. Thank you. Really, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to this episode. Before we finish, a few shoutouts. Glasgow Short Film Festival is made possible thanks to the generous support of Screen Scotland and Film Hub Scotland. We also thank all our supporters, sponsors, venue and programme partners, and of course you, our audience. This podcast was produced for us by Halina Rifai, with music by Louis ten Hertog. We'd love to hear your responses to the episodes and our festival programme, so get in touch. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Glasgow Short. Enjoy the festival! Enjoy the festival!